Thank you for watching today. I pray that the message you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app. In this message, we're going to be looking at different ways to view the world. Jesus tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and that we must not be conformed by this world. Today, Pastor is going to show us six different ways that people tend to conform and the steps we can take to have a more kingdom-minded outlook. Let's jump right in to today's message, Reframe. Well, today I want to uh, teach on something probably I've never taught on. And uh, I want to talk about having a biblical world view. In Psalms 11, verse 3, it says, If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the foundation is destroyed... Now, I believe that it's talking about the foundations in our personal life. Jesus taught about this in Mark chapter 7. He says, you know, when you hear his word and you do them, you're like a wise person who builds their house on the rock. You've got a great foundation, and it's true personal in, in our personal lives. It's true in society. It's true about morals, about spirituality, about what's right, about what's wrong, you know, in the days, you know, sometimes we look at our world and think, man, things have never been bad like this. But they've been bad like this, and they've even been worse than this. In Isaiah chapter 5, Isaiah prophesies, and he's talking to Israel, and he says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. He said, there have been times when people called what was good, bad, and bad, good, where the foundations were moved. In, in uh, society, it happened, and it happens in people's personal lives. And really, where I want to talk about, for the most part today, is what do we do when it comes to the foundations that are being shaken in our personal lives? In 2 Timothy 3, in verse 16, it says, Every part of Scripture is God-breed, and it's useful in one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Now, notice that one part, showing us truth. Now, we're living in a society that doesn't even believe in truth, that everything is relative. But the Bible makes it very clear that there is a right and a wrong, and there is truth and there is deception. Uh, Saeed Katoub. Most of us have not even heard of Saeed Katoub. Ultimately, he was executed for plotting to assassinate the president of Egypt. He was hung by the neck. Uh, he was an Egyptian. He was an author, a revolutionary is Islamic theorist, a poet, and a leading member of the Egyptian Muslim Brotherhood during the 1950s and 1960s. You know, as an educator, uh, what he really put forth was the hatred of Jews, Christians, and the West. Now, you'd think that when he was executed and he was hung, that that would be the end, but it wasn't the end. Because his brother 
Mohammed really grabbed hold of what he taught. And he began teaching the same, publishing uh, books, was a professor in a university in Saudi Arabia. And you probably never heard of him either. But you almost for sure have heard of his star pupil, Osama bin Laden. How many heard of that guy? Now, because of the worldview that Mohammed, excuse me, that Osama bin Laden received and received from this professor who received it from his, father, his brother, we live in a different world. When you go to the airport every time, how many of you know you realize the world's a little bit different? We've been in a war in the Middle East for, for 19 years because worldviews have consequences. Jesus said, if you have the right worldview, he said, it's like your house is built on a rock. He said, but if you have the wrong worldview, he said, it's like it's built on the sand. And there's going to be storms, there's going to be rains, there's going to be winds, there's going to be rivers that are going to beat against it. And he said, it'll fall. So I want to talk to you about a few common worldviews that uh, we find today in our society. And, and I want to say this, unfortunately, we find them many times in the church. According to the Barna Research Group, 9% of people who claim to be born-again Christians have a biblical worldview. 9%. Now, I believe that here that it's going to be a lot greater, that number, but that's what they, they say, 9%, right? First worldview that's very common today is hedonism, the pursuit of pleasure and basically self-indulgence. The, the, the hedonism just says, if it feels good, do it. Party on. Instant gratification. The playboy philosophy. The Bible says it this way. Loving pleasure rather than loving God. 2 Timothy 3, 4. Now, what I think is interesting is that there's a lot of people that, that they come to church. Right? If you say, are you a Christian? They'd say, yeah, I'm a Christian, but their worldview is hedonism. Now, if you say, I'm a Christian, but you're living a self-centered life, you're a hedonist. If you say, I'm a Christian, but my goal is to work to make money so I can have fun and pursue pleasure. You say you're a Christian, but your worldview is that of a hedonist. If you say you're a Christian, but the goal of your life is, I just want to retire so I can do what I want. That's a hedonist worldview. Do you know when you retire, God's got stuff for you to do yet? It's not supposed to be about you, about me. I love Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life. It starts out and it says, it's not about you. But hedonism makes it all about you. If you're a Christian, but you think, well, my future plan is so that I can do whatever I need to do so I can sit back and do nothing, you have a hedonist worldview. Jesus said this to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Let him what? Deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. And whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. 
You know, Jesus told us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. See, there's really three basic ways people live. Some live to please themselves. Now, that promises joy, but it delivers misery and emptiness. Others live to please others, which is an absolute nightmare, by the way. It'd be like living in junior high forever. (laughs) It just fills you with anxiety. You're constantly worried about what does this person think and what does that person think, all right? Uh, You're probably addicted to, to likes on social media, But Jesus modeled and taught taught the opposite of hedonism. He says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but he loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Second worldview, materialism. A tendency to consider material possessions and physical comfort more important than spiritual values. And this worldview basically just says more. I need more. Solomon talked about it way back 3,000 years ago in Ecclesiastes 5 and 10. He said, he who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver. And he who loves abundance with increase. In other words, no matter what you get, it's not enough. You know, some people call it boatitis when it comes to boating. If I just get two more feet, I just need two more feet. I just need a little bigger, a little bit more. And what happens when, when materialism is your worldview, the finish line just keeps on moving. No matter what you get, you want to step up and you want to step up. And if you love silver, you won't be satisfied no matter how much silver you get. And if you love abundance, no matter how much the increase is, it never satisfies. And you know what? Solomon said, it's just vanity. It's like chasing after the wind. See? It would be like trying to grab hold of something that's covered with oil and it just slips out of your hand every time you get there. It's not what you don't get it and you're pursuing more and more and more. This philosophy says, whoever dies with the most toys wins. But Jesus said, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things that you possess. But in our society, the commercials, the infomercials, I mean, they're promising you happiness and fulfillment, and it is just one more purchase away. If you could just get that, I will be worth more if I own more. I will be more valuable if I'm worth more. I will be something if I just own more and confuse their value with their valuables. Confuse their value with their valuables. More happiness, more security, more fixed. (laughs) How do we say it? I read that this week. I thought this was great. Talking about the community that this person lived in. He says, many in our community... They have a lot to live on and too little to live for. They have an abundance of possessions, but a scarcity of purpose. And without purpose, all the possessions 
and possibilities are worthless. In 1966, J. Paul Getty was the richest man in the world. And this is what he said. He said, I would give all of my millions for just one lasting marital success. Because the greatest things in life are not things at all. He said, I'd give it all for just one lasting marital success. You know, our purpose, Jesus said it this way. He said, he said it, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. He said, this is the first and great commandment. He said, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. When we think that life is about ourselves, we're going to miss it every time. In uh, Revelation 4 and verse 11, it says, And for his pleasure you were created. And for his pleasure. You know, when people try to find the purpose of life and they start with themselves, they're going to miss every time. Because you can't start with yourself. Because you were not created for yourself. You were created for his pleasure. To love and enjoy God forever. Third uh, worldview, individualism. Now, let me just say this. We live in the most individualistic society that the world has ever seen. And, and we see ourselves completely, as a complete unit ourselves. Uh, societies have never done that before. And by the way, that is not a biblical view. And that is not God's view. But it's the habit and the principle of being independent and self-reliant. It's basically, it just says this, it's me first. I have to have it my way. <laughs> An advertisement says, we did it all for you. Obey your thirst. Uh, what it has given us is a culture of narcissism. It's the reason that uh, a man or a woman will walk out on their spouse and their kids and say this, I have to think of my own happiness. It's all about me. It ignores what's best for the community, for other people, for their family, for their spouse, for their kids, for the church, for the kingdom of God. I only do what's best for me without any thought of how it affects others. Jesus said, whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Significance does not come by pursuing pleasure or money or success or status or salary or serving yourself. Significance comes from serving God and serving others. Jesus said, whoever wants to be great among you, and I think it's interesting, the disciples are talking about who's the greatest. And Jesus didn't say, you shouldn't want to be great. He tells them how to be great. And he says, the way you become great is to become the servant of all. And again, whoever desires to be first shall be slave of all. He says, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. If individualism were true, the happiest people on earth would be the most selfish people. And how many of you know that is the exact opposite of the truth? Another worldview, pragmatism. 
A person who's a pragmatic is concerned more with facts and then what and what than with what could be or should be. A pragmatic person lives in the realm of results and consequences. So the worldview basically means this, whatever works for you. It might not be work for me. It might not even be true for me. But if it works for you, it must be true for you. And in a pragmatic worldview, the ultimate virtue, listen, is tolerance. The ultimate virtue is tolerance. I I read about uh, someone who has been... uh, in, in the Hollywood business for some time. And this particular individual was talking about the fact that they had same-sex attraction and simply said, well, what you like, you like. It works for me. It works for me. And when you, when, because of this, this pragmatic worldview that is so inundate our culture, it means that it's wrong For you to say to anybody, what you're doing is wrong. That is not correct. You are deceived. Suddenly, that becomes something you cannot do because everybody is allowed to do whatever they want and their reality is is justified by the worldview. It's problematic and it's destructive. First of all, whether you know it or not, there is evil in the world. And when you say anything to the contrary, when you say that there's a right and a wrong, you're considered a hater and you're intolerant. Now, I want you to listen to something. Revelation 2, verse 20. This is Jesus. I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and beguiling my servants to practice immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. How many of you know Jesus was not tolerant? When something was wrong, Jesus said, it is, it's wrong. You know, we, we call him the Christ, and we are called Christians, which literally means little Christ. We're supposed to be like Jesus. Again, the Bible over in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, says that the Bible teaches us what's right and what's wrong. And there's truth in this world. And there is right and there is wrong. Ideas have consequences. Pragmatism makes truth relative and correction impossible. Therefore, Christianity loses its power and it comes another option in the marketplace. What you believe ultimately is what you will become. And it determines how you behave And the result of how you behave is your character. It's your destiny. It's your destiny. The Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Jesus said, because of the traditions, because of the way we view things, he says, we make the word of God of no effect. Another worldview, humanism. An outlook or system of thought attached primarily to the importance of the human rather than the divine or the supernatural. And again, we mentioned this earlier, you were created for his pleasure. 
You can never really understand life. You can never even be fulfilled without, under, without starting, first of all, with God. The humanistic belief dresses the, 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 the potential value and goodness of the human being. Frank Sinatra put it this way, I did it my way. People are the ultimate authority. They tell you, you can write your own truth. You're the master of your own fate. Uh, and, and along with this, basically, Jesus told us to pray, thy will be done. But humanism says, my will be done. The New Agers, they say it this way, you're God. You're divine. You, you are your own truth. And people love it. People love it. Do you know it's the very thing that Satan said way back in Genesis chapter 3. You, know, you can be your own God. You can decide what's right for you. You just go ahead, eat of that tree. But Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one come to the Father except through me. Another worldview, fatalism. The belief that all events are predetermined and therefore inevitable. It crushes dreams. It replaces hope with discouragement. It replaces confidence with cynicism. And it basically says things are never going to change. It's a cancer to the soul. It destroys both hope and faith. And it just says what will be, will be. Now, we even find it in church. Uh, this is going to shake some people up, but shoot. May as well shake it up a little bit, right? Now here, look. This is going to bother you, but you just think about it for a while, all right? In church, we just say, well, God's in control. God's in control. Well, let me, let me just, let's think about that just a minute. In Psalms 78, it says again and again, they tempted God and they limited they limited the Holy One of Israel. God just didn't do what he wanted to do. They limited the Holy One of Israel. And Jesus said, with men it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Now, we often quote that, but we got to look at the context. The context is there is a man who brings an epileptic son to Jesus and says, Jesus, heal him. And Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. That man tried to throw it all off on Jesus, and Jesus says, don't throw all that off on me. He says, you've got something to do with this. Again, Mark 11, verse 23, Jesus said, whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things which he saith will come to pass. He'll have whatsoever he saith. Now, if it was all up to God, Jesus wouldn't have said that that mountain will move when you say. Come on. I know that's not, that that's not what so many of us have, have, have thought. We just thought, well, whatever God wants is going to happen. That is not true. 1 John chapter 5 says, and the whole world lays 
in the sway, the control of the wicked one. But when we use our authority and don't limit God, we can see God's will be done. Jesus wouldn't have said, pray, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, if it was always done on earth as it is in heaven. So many people, although they, they, we say we're, we're, we're a Christian, and I'm not even saying we're not a Christian, but our worldview is not Christian. Our worldview is not biblical. Again, the Barner's Research Group says that only 9% of Christians have a biblical worldview. And what we find in our society today is truth decay. <laughs> Not truth decay, but truth decay. And what the, what the, the way, <laughs> oh, I wish I had, all, I, I left this book, oh, this is crazy. I left this book at my dentist about three, four weeks ago. <laughs> but Jeannie and I were, were reading, Jeannie and I were reading this book and it talked about how we got to the place where we brush our teeth. Now, I may have, I may have this off just a little bit, all right? But it's someplace in the 1920s. And only about 10% of Americans are brushing their teeth. So Pepsodent hires this guy, this advertised guru. And he puts this ad together about, you'll wonder where the yellow went when you brush your teeth with Pepsodent. Right? And they push that things, and in 15 years, they have 90% of Americans brushing their teeth. Taking care of that tooth decay. Well, well we need to take care of truth decay. Right? And the way we take care of truth decay is with the Word of God. That's how you take care of truth decay. Uh, I, I'm just going to close with a, a scripture in, from Romans chapter 12. In verse 2, it says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't have the world's view of things. It says, but be transformed. Now, that word, we, we, we get our, it really refers to, for example, a polywog turning into a frog or a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. It says, there's, so when we come to Christ, we're in one condition. But we're supposed to be transformed. Now, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. One translation says it this way. This is my favorite because it's the easiest to understand. It says, by changing the way you think. By changing the way that you think. Your, your life is not changed simply by, by prayer. It's not even changed by fasting. It's not changed by worship. Your, your, your life is changed when you change the way that you think. Now, the Bible was given to us to change how we think. That's the purpose of the Bible, is to change how you think. I, I'm just going to tell you a little story, and, and uh, this will be the end. Uh, this was several years ago at the end of a service. And typically I stand around and, and greet people and occasionally somebody will come up and ask for prayer. And there was a man 
who kind of stayed back, and he waited for everybody else to leave. Then he came forward. And by the time he started to talk with me, literally tears were coming down his face. And he said, Pastor, he says, I'm committing adultery. He says, and I don't even enjoy it. He says, but I I just can't quit. And uh, he says, I want you to pray for me that I'll quit. And I said to him, I said, it won't work. Now, it shocked him, but I meant for it to shock him. Because the Bible doesn't say you're transformed by prayer. You're transformed by changing the way you think. Is that not what it says? So so I said to him, I said, I'll pray for you in a minute. I said, but this is what you need to do. I said, you need to read Proverbs chapter 5 and Proverbs chapter 7 every day. Now, Proverbs 5 and Proverbs 7 are the two chapters in the Bible that talk about the consequences of sexual immorality and unfaithfulness. And then I said, every week, you need to read the story of Samson. Now, Samson was tremendously gifted, but he lost everything because when he was young, he didn't conquer an M, how can we say this, his sexual desires. And when he was old, they destroyed him. Because what you don't conquer when you're young destroys you when you get old. And then I said, and every week, read the story of David and his sexual sin and what it cost him. I says, if you'll do that, I says, you'll change the way you think. And if you change the way you think, you'll change the way you live. Every time that we're involved in sin, it's because we believe a, we believe a lie. We believe a lie. And when you change the way that you think, you will change the way that you live. That's what the Bible teaches. All right, so then I prayed for him. Then I prayed for him. And uh, my, my prayer was interesting. It was that God would open his eyes to see the truth of God's word. Because when you see the truth of God's word, you change the way you think and you change the way you live. Now, if this message has touched your heart, and you've realized, you know, I'm not where I should be with God, or I don't know where I stand with God. I'm not right with God. I want to invite you to pray a prayer with me, a prayer to surrender your life to Jesus and to receive the forgiveness that he has for you. Would you bow your head? Make these words your own. Pray this from your heart. Say, oh God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins, and I believe that he rose again. And I give him all of my heart, in all of my life. I surrender. I hold nothing back. And I receive the forgiveness that you have for me. And I thank you. You've heard my prayer that I'm forgiven, that I'm a part of your family today and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer. In fact, the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we have just called on his name the way the Bible shows us to. And if you prayed that from your heart, you are saved, forgiven, and right with God. Now, I want you to keep growing spiritually. And for that to happen, you need to receive good spiritual food. Now, I wrote a book that I want to send to you absolutely free of charge. Right? You can download this book. It is full of bullet points to help you keep on growing spiritually. 
Uh, if you can't download it, you need a hard copy. If you'll contact us, we will get you that hard copy absolutely free of charge, right? It is our way to bless you and help you keep growing spiritually. I want you to know we love you, we pray for you, and have a blessed day. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life. We are so excited for you. And just as Pastor said, we love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have it mailed to you. Or you can download it right there instantly. It's also available on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. We'd love to hear how God is using Walking by Faith to change your life. Share your story with us by sending a short video from your cell phone to your story at walkingbyfaith.tv. You never know whose life your story will change. If our ministry is feeding you and blessing you spiritually, please consider becoming a partner with us. You can go to walkingbyfaith.tv give and click on the giving option that's right for you. Find us on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and on your favorite social platform by searching WBF TV. Also, be sure to download our app where you can listen to all past sermons, submit a prayer request, find resources, and much more. We'll see you again next time. Until then, be blessed.